Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits. Now, I am very delighted to welcome to the Nile Boylan Show today, uh, Dr. Coleman Nocter. He is a child and adolescent psychotherapist. He's the author of Cop On, What It Is and Why Your Child Needs It, and also has a regular column in the Irish Examiner. The reason that we've asked uh, Coleman to join us today is it's kind of appeared as a bit of a theme on the show uh, in recent days and weeks. Now, a number of weeks ago, you may remember that Niall was speaking to Barry Smith. Uh, he's been deemed the strictest head teacher in Britain uh, and has made comments, essentially, that parents are to blame for school kids' bad behaviour. Adults are afraid of uh, their children and he thinks we bend over backwards to accommodate kids and that instead of accommodating the behaviour, we need to be stricter and be promoting good behaviour instead. Last week then we heard from a teacher, we were discussing the um, incidences of uh, violence and thuggery and intimidation at uh, junior soccer games. And, and one of our contributors was a teacher who was saying that it was no surprise to her. Uh, you know, she has no, there's no respect uh, from kids in the, uh, in the secondary school whatsoever. And that if you re- report or record any bad behaviour to their parents, they don't seem to challenge it or, or to do anything about it at all. We've also heard from one parent during the week as well, talking about their adult child um, who's living at home, uh, not working, couldn't be arsed going out and getting a job, doesn't hand up a single penny. um, And, you know, when she might point out that, you know, I'm paying for the Netflix, I'm paying for the heating, I'm paying for uh, the food. It's like, well, you had me. Uh, This is what you should expect. So, you know, there's parenting challenges for people who have little babies, there's parenting challenges for people who have, uh, you know, t- children in, in the, the tween years, teenagers, and it doesn't stop because then they become adults and you're essentially still parenting them. So I'm delighted to welcome to the programme Dr. Coleman Nocter. Coleman, thanks so much for joining us today because it's a bloody minefield and there's also an awful lot of judgment attached to it too. When we've had contributors like the ones I've, I've just outlined there on, we have people who WhatsApp in straight away going, tell that woman she should or tell that person he should. You know, there's an awful lot of judgment around parenting. It's a minefield. Yeah, and, uh, I could be guilty of parenting from the ditch as well. But uh, also from the point of view, everyone has the answer uh, and the solution. But uh, it's cre- what creates the problem is probably where we, we should be thinking about, you know, and it's true, you know, where, would I, where should I start? Well, I wouldn't start from here, you know. And it starts very small with children. Again, the, the things have changed. Parents are a lot more involved in their children's lives than they ever were before. You know, I, I just you talked about the, the involvement of sport. Like, when I was playing sport, I wouldn't have thought my parents even knew what age group I played with. They yeah. probably went to one or two matches. But they certainly weren't watching every minute of my training and getting on to coaches about whether they should pick me or not. And, and so we have become much more involved in our children's lives. That's not a bad thing, you know, when it's done correctly. But um, then there's a case of becoming over-involved. Um, and that might be where your child becomes a bit of a project. Do you know what I mean? And you're maybe trying to live your own desires vicariously through your child. And that can be a problem when somebody gets... And, and that might be where the teachers are saying, you know, the, the child can do no wrong. And so they're not encouraged by their parents to take on responsibility for their actions. Mm. But the, essentially what it comes down to, Tara, is that 
parenting is about pacing, you know, and it's about, you know, we need early on to be very, very involved in our children's lives and then we need to step back and we need to give them the right amount of responsibility and control over their choices when they show the responsibility to do it. And that can you be know? that can be that can be tricky because if you're hugely involved and you, you you know you have your little baby and you're you know you have to feed them, you have to change them, you're completely and utterly responsible for everything they do. It can be hard to uh, to step back actually and go, well actually no, you need to try and find your own shoes or or wear your socks or or can you know can you bring your plate over and put it in the dishwasher or whatever the case may be but but you know we do do you think we're more because we're more involved Coleman that we're more inclined to spoil uh, yeah I mean again it's probably about more about a quick fix solution you know again it's about busyness of our lives I always say to somebody you know count how many times you tell your small infant child to hurry up in one day you know you'll be shocked you know yeah. in terms of get into the car get out of the car so the business it's much easier to do for them then allow them to do it with them. So if they're spending five minutes looking for their shoes and you're in a hurry to go to work, you just go and grab the shoes yourself for yeah. them. Do you know what I mean? And, and what that encourages is it enables them a little bit to to become over-reliant on, on the other to do it for me. But what, what we need to teach children about is that, you know, there's lots of things that are, are it is your right. You know, it's your right to be able to do things. But you earn a right by showing a responsibility. So, you know, like having a phone or... Uh, you know, that's not a, it's not a human right to have a smartphone at nine years of age. Mm. We'll, we'll, can we we'll get to that? Because I want oh, to ask sorry, specific yeah. questions. No, I want. To, I don't want to stop you in your flow, but I want to to come back to that because that also came up as a huge issue on the show yesterday. So, but but I what I'm hearing from you is that we have to sort of set out, and I don't like to use the term. I can't, I'm just struggling to find any other word, but you have to kind of nearly, you have to be the authority nearly. You have to, to be, take some form of, of control. And again, I, I, both of those words have very negative connotations. Maybe you've better words for them, but, but you have to be the parent. You have to be the, the grown up. Yeah, I mean, there has to be consequences. And it comes down to this you know, you have to give children what they need, and that may not be what they want. You know, so uh, that's the real key here is, is, am I giving them what I need, what they need, or am I giving them what they want? And, you know, demanding kind of treats all the time might be an easier way of kind of keeping them quiet, but it creates a bigger problem in the long term. You know, letting them into bed at night, you know, because everyone will get a nice treat is probably what you need at that moment or what they want, but it's mm. not in the longer term, you know, so that you're creating a bigger problem. So the need and the want is really important. But from the point of view of, in terms of your, the role as a parent is to become redundant. When you're no longer needed, you've done your job well. And I think we, we over-focus on rules, you know, and rules are the way to go. I'm much more a fan of values. Do you know what I mean? So it's a value system within our family that there's mutual respect. We don't swear at each other. We don't, you know, mm. we do our chores or whatever it is that we need mm. to do. We, we, and that starts, that creates a culture. And the family value system is, is one that, you know, maybe you have to earn something to get it. It doesn't come that easy to you. Maybe there is a responsibility for you to behave a certain way. And again, that has to be role modeled by parents as well. You know, and what's interesting is there was a study recently that said like 80% of our reactions to our children is based on how we're feeling at that time, not related to how the behavior of the child. Yeah. You know I mean? so, so what do you do on a Thursday evening when you're wrecked and tired mm-hmm. and the the, the sentence you give for the crime might be completely different to what you'd give on Saturday afternoon when everyone's chilled and relaxed. Yeah, absolutely. 
you know, and, and what we're saying is if you want behavior to improve, or if you want something to catch on, it's consistency and predictability. Do you know what I mean? Those are the things. So you can't give a child everything that they want until they're 17 years of age, and then at 17 turn around and say, I'm going to start putting in some rules now. Do you know what I mean? Um, it has to kind of be, again, something that's much more long-term and much more invested from earlier on, I think. But also, I think, you know, and I mean, I, I certainly, when, when you were saying, you know, the response that you give is not necessarily the one that you'd give from one day to the next or from one situation to the next. You know, I immediately thought back to times in my uh, experience as a mother where I know maybe I was ill-tempered or exhausted or annoyed with something else or somebody else. And, and the kid, one of the kids, one of the kids got it. Now, I personally always felt really bad if that happened and I'd usually apologise and say, look, this is the reason why. But I think also as parents, we have to kind of give ourselves a bit of a break sometimes, not to excuse poor behaviour from us to our children, but we can't get it right all the time. Oh, come here. Parenting is aspirational. You know what I mean? It's not something that you're going to nail all the time. You're going to get it wrong repeatedly. Um, and, and again, I think from the point of view of you know, we sometimes feel that if we kind of get a little bit ill-tempered or, you know, raise our voice that we kind of traumatise a child, that's not how that works. You know, you can repair it and manage it within reason, obviously. But from the point of view of the, the idea is, is to give yourself, like, say, for example, over the pandemic. Like, yeah. if, if, you're, if your kid has come in and you're on a Zoom call and they're looking for Chris or something, you're going, just take it. Yeah. You know, take whatever you want. And then after the Zoom call, they ask you for Chris and you're going, absolutely not. You know, and again, it's, it's it's, it is about, you know, where does this, where does the line exist? And I, I would always go back to my own kind of experience of being parented. And my mother had this line that you crossed. And when you crossed, it's just a look. It was a look that she gave you and you went, okay, you've done it now. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, at, at that point you kind of said, okay, there's the line right there. But it, it tended to be similar, a similar point. And I think that's the key part of that consistency or the predictability of parenting is that you are reliable. Even if you're strict, you're reliably strict. Yeah. You're going to be bohemian. Be reliably bohemian. Okay. But just don't flip and change. Don't flip and, and change. So and the you... good cop, bad cop, good dad, bad mom, or, you know, that can be really problematic because it sends completely different messages around okay. what behaviour is okay and that's, acceptable. That's very interesting because obviously an awful lot of couples, you know, they might talk at the outset of their relationship about, you know, oh, I'd like to have children, so would I. Oh, I'd like two girls and a boy and I'll call them this and the other. But they don't actually maybe sit and have conversations about what their values are and their parenting styles and approaches. And if you have two people who grew up in very different households with very different parenting styles, then they're going to bring what they know to the table. So how problematic can that be when you have one parent who's operating one way and, and another who's, who's completely at odds with that? That can be hugely challenging. I've, I've spoken to lots of couples who said, you know, getting married was easy. It was having children that was the challenge, children in terms of their relationship. Um, because you may have different ideologies around strictness or around discipline or around whatever it might be, and you're only working it out as you go. Do you know what I mean? In terms of how do you parent a teenager? You know, you only realise that when you have a teenager. Oh, you know here, I mean? listen, you're, you're speaking <laughs> my, uh, I, I need an hour with you off the air in private for that one, Coleman. But, but again, it's it's lo- knowing where the line is. Like again, children test. That's what they do. Yes. Uh, they'll keep testing until <laughs> they find something that works. And if yes. I find that tantrum works, or I find that you know having a meltdown in Tesco's gets me those buttons, yeah. well, then I'm going to keep doing them. Yeah. You know what I mean, uh, and again, 
you know, I always say a day in the park ruined because you know some it's a sanction for someone's behaviour is better than continuing with the the park and having to manage that in a year's time. Do you know what I mean? In terms of being as consistent and predictable, and I know I'm repeating myself, but I think it is that it it's it is about having a, a contained relationship between the child and you. And also the other side of it is getting your child to own up to their own responsibility. And again, it comes down to that thing about, well, my Johnny wouldn't do that and I'll defend them, you know, to the nth degree. I think we went to, like, and we have to think about this historically. We come from, you know, issues of, say, clerical abuse and corporate punishment and all that sort of stuff yeah. where the child said something and the parents said, well, you must have done something yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, of course. And now the child has is an overcorrection where you can't have done anything wrong. Right? Um, and, you know, children who are bullying other children, the parents of those children who are doing the bullying or taking part of it have a responsibility to, to correct that and manage it. And, uh, and when our children do step out of line, we need to be as consistent as we are when we're trying to reward them for things that they do well. Is being a kid now, I mean, you spoke about how your parents wouldn't have known what team you played for. I think for most of us of, of, of your and my generation, that was the case. You know, they you, you left the house in the morning on a summer's day and you might come back for dinner time or possibly lunch. They didn't know where you were in many cases, who you were with or what you were doing. Um, and that was, there was a lovely freedom that came with that. You were just being a kid. Is it more difficult for children nowadays? Oh, 100% it is. And it's much more challenging because, again, that freedom isn't possible anymore. Do you know what I mean? And I, I would have hitched a lift home from school at 12. If oh. I saw my 12-year-old doing that, I would absolutely leave. Like, you know, oh, my God, absolutely, you know, yeah. From that point of view. So the world is a different place. So we have to accept that we can't, you know, kind of use the ideologies of the past now. But the pressure and expectation that children are under now is phenomenal. And it's from baby infants up. Do you know what I mean? In terms of being the best and getting the prizes and getting the medals and student mm. of the week and this and that. Mm. And, you know, leaving certain points, like I can see that I'm working in this area 25 years. Ten years ago, 250 points in your leaving was grand. Absolutely. Really good. Yeah. But now it's the bar is like 500 or something. And we do what we've done, Tara. We've become allergic to average. Average has become bad. Yeah. When did average become bad? Average is actually where we all should be. So I mean, that's the safest place to be. But our society sees it as something we have to be extraordinary, we have to be exceptional. Um, and that's going to create extreme behaviours because if you have extreme expectations, children are going to do extreme things to get that attention mm. or to, to, to fulfil that need. And, uh, yeah, I just think we need a race to the middle. Let's get back to, to that, you know, that, that actually it's OK to be in the middle. That's fine. Yeah. Why is that a bad thing? Okay, Coleman, we've been inundated with lots of um, of listener questions. We're going to take a quick break and uh, Coleman Doctor will be back with us in just a second to answer some of the uh, many questions that are coming back in and continue our chat about, you know, what's wrong with the race to the middle? It sounds like eminent sense to me. It takes pressure off parents and it takes pressure off our kids. Very welcome back to the Nile Boylan Show. Tara Duggan in for Nile this week. I'm joined by Dr. Coleman Nocter, who's still with me, examiner, columnist, author of Cop On, What It Is and Why Your Child Needs It. And of course, child and adolescent psychotherapist Coleman. I want to get straight into some listener questions if you don't mind answering a few. Could you ask Coleman about children with anxiety? My 12-year-old shows signs of it, tries to run from tough situations 
things and is very negative about himself. He calls himself odd and weird and no matter how I try to big him up, he doesn't believe me. He isn't very tall. This seems to bother him as he is the smallest in his class. How do I help him see the wonderful, kind, caring boy that he is and uh, to develop his confidence? He's so clever, but he hides it so as not to draw attention to himself. Starting at secondary school next year and doesn't know how he's going to cope moving from a small school to a big one. Yeah, probably the most common complaint. Uh, I've done it. I mean, people say that's the biggest issue for children at the moment is anxiety. And for many of those reasons I said earlier on, around that pressure and expectation, what's happening is we're trying to make children more confident, which is how they express themselves outwardly, but we're not paying attention to their self-esteem and self-worth and self-belief, which is the relationship they have with themselves. Mm-hmm. So the, the idea is that children are kind of developing a poor relationship with themselves. They're living in a world where grades and medals and sports and prizes are kind of the accolades that are recognised and kind of kindness and resilience and kind of being able to overcome adversity. They're things that aren't kind of, I suppose, rewarded in many ways. So you have to kind of really try and re-establish a different value system for them. That the things and the skills that they have, that just life isn't rewarding for them at the moment, mm. are important and that they will hold value. Um, and like again, try to improve his relationship with himself. Um, you know, we, we're all trying to invest in trying to make kids more confident. We should just encourage self-belief, self-worth. And it takes a while, it's not going to be something. And you're kind of battling against a societal issue because in the class, he's probably maybe getting in trouble by his peer group if he's overly bright, you know, that people say he's a swat or he's got mm. two shoes. And all. So <clears throat> it's kind of a, it's a challenging area to kind of survive. And I would say sometimes in the secondary school things, we sometimes dread that. But the anonymity of secondary school in the bigger room means that we can sometimes find our tribe easier than yeah. the smaller uh, primary school. So I wouldn't automatically assume that that's going to be a bad thing. Of course, it's going to be a big challenge. But um, if you can find his tribe somewhere, and because you're a mom and you're telling them the things, it's not going to have the same value because you're a mom and you're supposed are, to say it. Yeah, uh, of course. You could get that feedback from an uncle, an aunt, or someone else to kind of feedback him, a coach, or if he's the sport or if he's a drama teacher or whatever, that would be gold dust. Okay. And he needs to be able to, to hear that from other sources than maybe just yourself. Okay, very good. Um, I'm just wondering, could you chat about food? My toddler is four, won't touch meat or veg and a lot of other food. She eats plain pasta, strawberries, no veg. She'll eat bread and jam and certain yogurts. Dinner time is a nightmare. She will actually start to cry if I try to get her to try something new. Very difficult. And her two-year-old sister is now following suit, although she isn't that bad just yet. There can be a lot yeah, of battles think- around the dinner table. Yeah, I remove the battle, first and foremost. Yeah. Uh, the more issues you make of it, the more issue it becomes. Um, and I know it might be hard to kind of work around, and I'm not saying I don't endorse, you know, having six different uh, lunches on for different people's priorities. You know, you put it in front of you, you, you do well if you don't, then, you know, you don't supplement with other things. But um, again, uh, uh, the big battle and the big high-intensity, high-visibility mealtime where everyone's stressed and falling out, there's no winners there mm-hmm. uh, in that sense. I think less is more in that. Um, but just on that, on that theme, there's a, a webinar next Thursday, free webinar with Safe Food. I'm doing about treats and how to manage diet. And Donald O'Shea, myself, and Jane Hogan from the Irish Times are on that panel. So if you go on Eventbrite and log on to that, you'll definitely get loads of tips there on that. Okay, very good. Can I add one of my tips in from when I was parenting? Uh, when they were little. Um, yeah, used to have little, you know... Th- 
don't like this, don't like that, don't like the other. I sat them up on the kitchen counter with me when I was cooking and as we were chopping carrots and chopping, getting out the frozen peas and stuff like that, they would take little bits and pieces of them. So instead of putting them in the dinner where they're going, I want that out, I don't like that or trying to get a battle left carrots out of a shepherd's pie, I just let them eat them raw beforehand and then it didn't matter if they ate them or not with their dinner. You know, getting them involved, I think, in cooking actually can and in preparing the food. But also, I think as well, there's no point in having a fight and pulling your hair out. If you know she's going to eat pasta, let her eat pasta. If she's going to eat strawberries, mm. let her eat strawberries, you know. Because they do develop their tastes as they go along as well. The irrational toddler who can't find their shoes or can find that sliver of onion that you left in the bolognese. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're very good at that, all right. Uh, My daughter is two years old and in bed with me. Her cot is used as storage. Any ideas how to get her into her own cot? Uh, Weaning. Uh, Yeah, get her back in. Uh, Again, try to stay for a little bit and maybe wait until she's almost asleep moving back and then because the the anxiety is about that you're not keeping her in mind or that when you go you won't come back so uh, again a little bit maybe sit at the door a little bit back out further a little bit further but uh, again trying to to convince yourself that you're doing that for the right reasons if your child comes into the middle of the night and says there's a monster under my bed your answer is okay hop in here then what you're actually saying is there is a monster there is a monster yeah Um, and uh, it creates a bigger problem down the line so um, yeah, I mean, again, weaning, supportive, and reward her when she manages. Catch kids being good. That's a really a good one. You know, sometimes we, when they're quiet or when they're managing, that's the time we empty the dishwasher or put the clothes off the line. That's actually the time to go in and reward them and say, I'm loving this. This is great. Keep it up. Yeah, okay. I want to come back briefly before I go to one final listener question, but I want to come back briefly too. We had a conversation um, earlier in the week on air about the uh, report from Catherine Martin about online child safety and, you know, moving the goalposts so that the social media companies will be more responsible. That's going to take years. In the meantime, there's loads of us who have kids, who have smartphones, who have access to gaming platforms. We heard some horrific stories during the week. How scared should we be about what our children are seeing online how do we approach it if they see something horrific yeah I mean again it's an online portal that there's no adult supervision and it's unregulatable so there are going to be opportunities I think we, we like if you if you take away all the bad stuff off the internet take away the pornography take away the cyber bullying take out the, it still wouldn't answer the problem because you'd still have a kid who'd spend nine hours on YouTube watching cats on skateboards Nothing illegal about that, <laughs> nothing inappropriate about and it. And they do. So, so what you need to do is work with the individual, not the device. You know, so the idea is, and what we're trying to do is teach children to self-regulate, which they are not capable of doing. Do you know what I mean? Adults are still doing to self-regulate when you're online or on your phone. So, But it is, work with the young person, not, like, you can't control the internet, but you can control and help your child to be able to navigate them. Mm. So what you're doing is kind of media literacy, you're teaching them how to use it. The other thing is we get obsessed with screen time. Screen time is not really a useful kind of way of managing it. I could spend an hour on YouTube learning a song on a guitar. That's a really good use of my time. The right. next hour I could spend on Instagram being utterly miserable about myself because I'm watching all these other parents who are making bird feeding things in homeschooling when I was, you know, my children were still in their pajamas. Yeah. So screen time just says that's an hour each. So we have to move away from time spent and look at it as time well spent. Technologies like food, there's good uses and bad uses. So we don't have donuts for our, our lunch, we have them afterwards. And getting children to kind of be able to, to use the technology on their own terms. But in terms of how unregulatable it is, again, I would say to you, it's not a human right to have a device, it's a responsibility. 
and children need to be able to prove their responsibility first to earn the right. Uh, and that's probably where we're getting where we're getting wrong is we're just giving the device and saying come back to me when you have a problem. Yeah, and that's okay. like giving that's like giving a child a two liter, you know, books a bucket of ice cream and saying come back to me when you vomit. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Last one, Coleman, if you don't mind. My five year old, very clingy. We're expecting a baby in February. When we broached it with him, he seems very unhappy about another little one coming into the house. How can we make it okay? Uh, preparing for a sibling uh, arrival is really difficult because you don't really know until they arrive. Again, it's it's understandable if you were you know if your partner came home to you tonight and said, "Come here, I'm going to bring this other woman home, and she's going to live with us from now on." Your nose would be out of joint as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't <it> was? <laughs> so, so from the point of view, you have to understand the experience of sibling rivalry. Include them enough without overburdening them when their baby's there. Uh, having maintaining time with them uh, while always trying to, to, to kind of obviously with the need of the new baby, etc. When people come into the room, just make sure they don't just go straight over to the baby and leave them sitting over there in the corner. Mm. Um, but they're jostled out of position. It's, it's a really challenging one. But it's not done in a week before the arrival. It's done in the, the, the first two years of the ch- child being there. Yeah, and generally speaking, I think once the new one arrives, the, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't work out that bad and they'll learn to love each other as time goes along. Dr. Coleman, Noctor, child and adolescent psychotherapist. I'm just delighted to have had Coleman on the show today and thank you so much for your time. Author of Cop On, What It Is and what, Why Your Child Needs It. Also uh, a regular podcaster on parenting issues and a columnist with the Irish Examiner. Um, as you heard there, if you have any concerns about food, uh, he's taking part in a webinar with Safe Food Ireland and Dr. Donal O'Shea. Uh, Eventbrite is where you will find information like that. I love Dr. Coleman Noctor. He just has this absolute cop-on, no-nonsensing approach to parenting. We can't be expected to be perfect all of the time. Our responses to things are going to change from any given hour to any given day. We have become allergic to average, he says. One of the absolute pearls of wisdom I've heard the man say there in the last half an hour. And we should be looking at a race to the middle. Um, I recommend uh, Coleman's podcast as well because you hear other people who go through their parenting journeys there as well. Real people. Real opinions. Real talk radio. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hit.